When I was young, I learned that love was all about romantic comedies, Valentine's Day, chocolate, and flowers. A lot of capitalist heterosexual BS. Now I know that real love is ferocious, it's terrifying, and it's a catalyst for change. I'm Ethan Lipsitz, and I created Love Extremist Radio as a platform to engage with people who are on the front lines of wrestling with and redefining love on their terms. They're activists, artists, and creators, all making change in their communities and the world. Thanks for being here. Together, let's define what it means to be a love extremist. Love is the truth. Love is the truth. Love is the truth. Love is the truth. Rabbi David Aaron is a visionary and world-renowned spiritual educator. He has authored several books, including Endless Light, Seeing God, Love is My Religion, The Secret Life of God, Inviting God In, Living a Joyous Life, and The God-Powered Life. His books have attracted national media attention, including Larry King Live and E! Entertainment. He lives in Jerusalem with his wife, Hannah, and seven children. Woo! Beautiful family. That's amazing. How how are things in Jerusalem? Actually, pretty good. Good. What what time is it there? It's eight p.m. Yes, it is. Excellent. Great. Well, thank you for being here and welcome to Clubhouse. Um, I we were connected through a mutual friend, uh, Rabbi Jack Cohen, and um, he and I went to college together way back. And uh, it's wonderful to have this platform for to co- reconnect old friends and to meet new ones. I'd love to kick this conversation off with you just by asking, how do you define love, Rabbi? How do I find love? How do you define? Love de- define. Is, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, love is an emotional experience with an existential truth of all-encompassing oneness. There's an existential fact that we are we are one. We are not one and the same, but we are one. And now the question is, do we think, speak, and act in ways that is aligned with that truth? And when we do that, that existential fact becomes an experiential feeling. And so love is a feeling that I get when I realize through behavior, a truth that always was, is, and always will be, that we are one, even though not one of the same. And when you say we are one, who is we? All of us, every single human being. The truth is every creature, we all really, uh, you know, according to Kabbalah, when we use, if we use the word God, we're referring to the universal soul that in, embraces and um, fills everyone and everything. So the truth is that the entire universe is part of a unified field that is self-aware, which is what we mean when we say God. And that shared soul, that shared sense of self is a, a fact that cannot be changed. No mm. act can change that fact, but your act can reveal and enable you to re- realize that fact as an experience. Mm. And so how do we reconcile that with the lack of acknowledgement or those who are unable to achieve that experience? Maybe not unable is not the right word, but choose not to or don't have the the tool set with which to access the oneness that is. Well, I think that's part of uh, one of the great acts of love is to help other people learn how to love. I I don't know if there's a greater gift Mm. than enabling people, which is what you're doing, Mm. which is love extremists, is to have this conversation, which to me is the most important conversation on the planet, and long overdue conversation, which is, what is love? How do we access it? How do we live it? And how do we introduce those who maybe are not 
so familiar with it. It's kind of hard to love love when you might not have gotten it when you're growing up. That's right. So I think that's part of our our job and our 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 gift, which is give people a taste of love, which is that taste of connectedness, that taste of shared self, that sense that I'm not you, you're not me. I mean, everybody knows the golden rule: love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. Uh, that verse from the Torah has a few more words to it that most people aren't familiar with, and those few words are "I am." God. Now, the Hebrew doesn't say God. The Hebrew word that's there is in the Hebrew letters Yud, Hey, Vav, Hey, which actually would be better translated as I am reality. I am existence. I am the context of all being. And when we realize that there is one I am, which is the context of all being, the soul of all being, then of course you can love your neighbor as yourself because in the deepest deepest sense we are connected and we are forever connected mhm your neighbor is yourself <laughs> wow well i wouldn't say your neighbor is yourself just like my right hand isn't my left hand what's a right hand without a left hand and what's a left hand without a right hand just a single hand right so, so it needs to be oriented not, in, in, in some way, grounded in, in, in the context. Yes. I cut you off. I'm sorry. What, what were you going to say? Yeah, no, I was just saying that, you know, love, uh, you know, in the, the, the question of love is, do I have to give up me for there to be a we? And true love means that you can be you and I can be me. And yet in some mysterious way, we're all, so to speak, even the Kabbalah describes it as limbs of one cosmic body. Again, it's metaphorical, but the hands, not the toe and the toes, not the nose, but they're all part of an integrative whole. And the realization of that through behavior is what generates the emotion which is a reflection of a fact and the fact is there whether we love each other or not there's nothing we can do to stop the truth that we are one and when we don't love each other it's really self-afflicting pain mm -hmm. because we're behaving in a way that's betraying an existential truth of the one shared self that we're all part of yeah. Wow. So, so who taught you how to love? Where did this, where did this knowledge come from initially in your life? I, I grew up a son of a survivor. My mother was in the concentration camp at age 15 and she had lost her parents to the Nazis and uh, a brother and a sister. And my mother was not the type of survivor that talked about her experience. She didn't, she didn't want to burden us with hearing about that kind of suffering. Uh, but I knew that my mother went through something traumatic and, and devastating. Uh, and so it kind of left me to my imagination. And then one day, or actually one night, I woke up to my mother screaming mm. in the middle of her sleep. And I thought, I, I mean, I didn't know for sure, but I, I immediately assumed that she was having a nightmare of the concentration camp. And, um, that night I became a philosopher because I was bombarded with questions. Mm. Is there a God? And if there is a God, is love real? Is, is love, is, 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 is God good? And if, uh, and, and, you know, what's the point of all this? And so being very aware of evil and hate, uh, and as a Jewish kid uh, growing up in a, a non-Jewish neighborhood. I was beat up for being Jewish. Mm. So I, I experienced hatred and I struggled with it because I, I didn't understand why, because we're different, we can't be, why, why do we have to compete with each other? Why can't we complete each other? Mm. And so, uh, you know, I think sometimes you, you, you discover, you know, uh, sweetness because you've had a good taste of sour. And you know that there's got to be something much better than that. Hmm.
And my mother, even though she went and she she had um, endured tremendous hatred uh, towards her as a Jew, my mother had a love for all people. Wow. So that love has been carried on through you. I, I, I want to go back to the, the conversation we had about the hands. And I, I want to ask, is hatred just another hand? Is hatred just another part of the whole? No. Okay. Hatred is an illusion that because you're not me and I'm not you, we're separate. Mm. And if we're separate, then we are in some way in conflict and there's some kind of competitive energy going on. Uh, the mystery and the beauty of love is we are one because we're different. It's like a, a puzzle. Hmm. Every piece of the puzzle wants every other piece of the puzzle to be different because that's how we fit together. And I don't have to be you and you don't have to be me uh, to love each other. And so, so it's, it's, a, it's a, love respects honors and supports differences and transcends those differences and includes them and doesn't see them as what interferes with the feeling of oneness, but actually enhances the oneness. Mm. That's beautiful. It's interesting because I have a lot of folks who I speak to on this platform who would argue that conflict is actually an integral ingredient in love. And kind of we need that darkness or we need to go through our hero's journey, you could say, so as to come deeper into love. And I can speak from my own experience. That's been true for me in some ways. I certainly um, it, it discovered love extremism before I um, became sick with, with brain cancer, but my diagnosis made this my life's purpose. It really shifted my my consciousness around how I would be spending my time in this body while I have it. And so I guess I, I ask. Well, you, actually, yeah. act, what you're sharing is actually something from the Kabbalah that says that when we start with oneness, we end with separateness. But when we set, start with separateness, we end with oneness, mm. meaning the separateness is an important step towards love because we need time to develop that sense of I'm not you, you're not me. And the side effect of that can be hatred because I want to protect me from you. But as I evolve, I realize that that was all a stage towards a higher sense of unity that includes our differences. But at the early stage of it, there is a stage towards love where the conflict is actually setting the background for the oneness. Because I need to know I'm not you. And you're not me. And and I need to protect my uniqueness from you. And I need to be sure that you don't ask me to compromise me being me. And so it, it starts off with this feeling of conflict. But later on, it turns into a realization that that was a developmental stage of a sense of self towards a higher sense of self, um, which is that sense of interdependence. But before I can get to interdependence, uh, I have to have a sense of independence. Mm. Because if there's an interdependence that int is introduced prematurely, it'll turn into dependence. Right. That's not what love is. Love isn't dependence. It's an interdependence. Like, I need you and you need me. But I don't lose myself in you and you don't lose yourself in me. Yeah, that's... So real. It's interesting, though, I, 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 I can see our many of my peers, including myself, getting lost in the conflict and that becoming kind of this question, this never ending quest for growth and evolution through conflict and seeing that as kind of the medium with which we grow. So how do we move beyond that fertilizer for growth, which is conflict, into a nev uh, the next level, as you're saying, of growth, which is that awareness of oneness, that interconnectedness? I, I think it starts with this conversation that we're having is actually defining, which is really brilliant. That That is, I think, the question. Define love. Mm -hmm. uh, most people define love as what's commonly described as falling in love. And I think it's 
I think it's actually appropriately referred to as falling because there's a falling going on. There's a loss. Uh, something's oh. falling down. There's a loss of self. You love what I love and you agree with what I agree with. And we're so alike. But true love is where we're not alike. Mm. And yet we can still like each other, even though there's so much that we don't commonly like. That's true love. You know, that's true love. And it doesn't need a reason because it's already a fact. You know, I was sitting with my wife one night and I asked her, I said, you know, Hannah, why do you love me? <laughs> and she said, I have no reason to love you. And I was very taken aback by that. And I said, what do you mean you don't have a reason to love me? Can't you find one reason to love me? <laughs> it's the ego and She talking. said, you know, not only do I have, I have no reason to love you, you wouldn't want me to have a reason to love you. Well, I was surprised at that. And I said, no, I, I really I really think I, I, I would want you to have a reason. <laughs> and she said, if I had a reason to love you, then it would be the reason I love and not you. Wow. And if at some point that reason were no longer relevant, what would happen to my love? I love you for no reason. That's true love. True love is I love you for no reason. And you don't have to be like me for me to love you. And you don't have to agree with me for me to love you. Um, that's, you know, I think that's where a lot of couples have issues where they can't get to a place where I can include who you are and I don't feel challenged who I am and that we can be one and yet different. Hana is absolutely brilliant with that response. Amazing. I, I, think about this in a lot of different contexts and, and have had many conversations around kind of th the ways we get to this uh, definition. I'm curious how Judaism approaches it in your experience. W what have you learned from, from Judaism and the Jewish faith uh, as it relates to love? Well, uh, this is a, sadly a little known secret that most people think that Judaism believes in God. Uh, but that word G-O-D is not found anywhere in the Hebrew Bible, the original Torah. The word that has been translated as God is uh, a Hebrew word of Yud, Hey, Vav, Hey. Hmm. And that word actually comes from the word Havaya, which means existence. And what we believe in is an all-encompassing existence. And the word that would closest um, communicate what that word yud hey vav -Hey means is love. In our tradition, that name is associated with the attribute in Hebrew referred to as rachamim. And rachamim in English would be translated as unconditional love. And the Hebrew word rachamim is connected to another Hebrew word, which is rechem, which means womb. And mm -hmm. that we believe in a reality that is like a womb that embraces us like a baby. And just like a mother loves her child unconditionally, doesn't even know her child, but she already loves that baby inside her. And so I, I would say that, that the word that closest uh, suggests what we believe in is, is love. And, and I believe that love created the world. I believe that love guides the world. My goal is that love is the king that rules over the world. And that when I pray, I ask love, what do I do in this situation? And I hear love speak to me. When people use the word God, it sometimes dwindles into somewhat of a, a cartoonish figure <laughs> of some individual in heaven telling me what to do. But what if the unified field that is self-aware is uh, mo more closely identified with what we would experience as love? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's so interesting when people say they make love. People don't make love. Love makes people. <laughs> That's great. Wow. Well, I want to pause and reintroduce you because we have some new folks that have joined us since we started. I'm speaking with Rabbi David Aaron, 
uh, a visionary and world-renowned spiritual educator who has offered, authored several books, including Love is My Religion, and we're really speaking on that topic today. Um, this is a recorded conversation. We'll keep rapping for a little bit, and then we'll invite folks to raise their hand and, and ask questions uh, of the rabbi. I'm, I'm really fascinated with this concept of unconditional love that you just mentioned. And you spoke about it a little bit in the, in the story you said with your wife, like she doesn't have a reason to love you. And if she did, it would fade or it would, it, you wouldn't want that. And I, I'm curious to understand what you kind of mentioned it a little bit, that idea of falling in love or making love. What would you call that? If it's not love, what is it? And why, why do we get confused? Well, it's really loss. See, generally in, I, the love that I, uh, I, I that, that was introduced to me through the world of movies is really what would classically refer to falling in love. You know, two people at a party, uh, they happen to uh, exchange glances. Uh, mm -hmm. There's this sudden feel of feeling of energy. Uh, very quickly, they, you know, there's music in the background and everything's perfect. And I love what you love and you love what I love and we have the same political views and, and, and we love the same ice cream and we, we, we love the same music. And, uh, and that's a kind of a falling in love where what happens is our personal boundaries break down. Uh, true love, which I refer to in my book, Endless Light, as climbing in love, is not that my personal boundary breaks down and we become one. But my personal boundary becomes expanded and I include you and you include me, but I don't become you and you don't become me. It's like a Venn diagram. And what happens, yeah. And, and, and what happens in the falling in love is some, suddenly, you know, our sense of personal border snap back into place and we suddenly realize that, wait a second. Uh, you say tomato and I say tomato, let's call the whole thing off, which I don't know. I'm dating myself, which was a, a song in a movie many years ago. Classic. And when two people discovered how different they are. And um, real love is, is the ability to include and honor and celebrate those differences and understand that love transcends differences. Doesn't, it doesn't nullify them. It actually honors them. Because the oneness that we share can include our differences. Mm. And um, that's called what I call the climbing in love, which is work to do. You know, it's work to do. You know, I believe that love is a labor and it works when you work at it. And I think a lot of people are hoping, hoping that love happens. Right. But love is, is, uh, is a work to do of creating space in your life to really see another person that's called into me see into me see, mm -hmm. you know, and I can mm -hmm. see into somebody and I don't have to, I, I don't have to mold them into what I want them to be, but I can respect who they are. You're, you're speaking from Jerusalem and yeah, you are in a city where so many people claim kind of spiritual home um, or, or, or deeply, deeply important to so many kind of r religious orientations and, and, and viewpoints and, and lived lives and histories. And it sounds like the way you speak about love could be perceived as somewhat political. Would you agree with that? Um, I'm not sure what you mean by that. Uh, again, I, I can rephrase. I I, guess. I'm okay. Yeah, go ahead. I, I don't know what the word, what does the word political mean to you? It's a great, to me, yeah. people have very different attitudes of what needs to be done. Uh, that doesn't mean I, I can't stay strong with what I believe and we can argue, mm. but that doesn't mean that I don't love you. Hmm. Got it. So ultimately, the love, I guess the, the, the political arena is where the love breaks down and starts to dictate how we govern 
but it's based before the kind of connectedness of recognizing our full humanity and our, you know, the love that bonds us and our interdependence. And yet, you know, kind of takes these arguments and becomes that, that becomes foundational for governance. Yeah, I mean, it becomes really the opportunity for true love. Mm. See, when we say unconditional love, the only way you're going to really practice unconditional love is when the conditions are challenging your love. You know, if all the conditions were in favor of love and you agreed with me and I agreed with you, well, that would be easy, <laughs> but that would not be unconditional love. Mm. When unconditional love becomes a possibility is precisely when the conditions are challenging our love and we transcend them and say we love each other no matter what. Wow. So do you have a favorite love story that articulates this in practice? Uh, favorite love story. Uh, my favorite love story is my love with my wife and my, my, my wife's love with me. I, I, that's an assumption, but she told me she has no reason. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that uh, the first thing I recognize in my wife is, uh, you know, I'm a bit of a public figure. And I'm known for being a public speaker, uh, but I'm actually a quiet guy, <laughs> which people find surprising. Uh, you know, in a public setting, I'm actually quite not quiet, but in a private setting, I'm I have no need to talk, and I don't, I, I'm I'm not so talkative. So when I would date girls and they would know about me, they got a little upset because what's with this guy? He's like known to be a public speaker and he's quiet. <laughs> they assumed that I was being not polite or that I didn't like them. Um, and uh, it wasn't. It was just who I am. I've, I'm a strange combination of extrovert, introvert. So, But when I met my wife uh, on the first date, uh, I really didn't say much. She carried the conversation. And on the second date, I didn't say much. She was okay. And she, she carried most of the conversation. We got to about five dates. And I turned to her. I said, you know, Hannah, uh, We've been out five times and I haven't really said much. And she said, yeah, I noticed that. And I said, does that bother you? And she said, no, it doesn't. And I said, why? And she said, because I figure when you'll be ready to talk, you'll talk. I haven't stopped talking since. I needed someone to accept me for who I am and not project upon me who they expect me to be. And that was already the beginning of, okay, this lady is very specially because she gave me space to be who I am and the patience to allow me the timing that worked for me. Uh, a lot of people are kind of trying to get other people to, 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 to go at a pace they're going at. Mm. That's just not love. Love is creating a space in your life for somebody that's very different than you. Yeah. Their timing is different. Their needs are different. And, um, you know, you, you could love them, maybe not marry them, you know, like maybe that's a little too much for you. You're too different. But still, you love them. You care about them, you know. Yeah. And uh, that was, you know, one of the. Um, and then another favorite story of love for me was, again, with my wife. Uh, we were pretty far along in the relationship. And I said to her, you know, I, I want you to know that I'm a deep guy, but very often depth comes from complication. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm a complex person. And, uh, you know, um, and so does that worry you? Does that concern you? And she said, no. And I said, why? And she said, well, because I'm looking for a relationship that I could work at, that I could roll up my sleeves and work at. And you look like a piece of work. And I said, <laughs> I am. And I said, okay, here's a lady that's really mature. And she understands that the only love that'll work is the love that you work at. Mm. Wow. Has there been an example of perhaps maybe more challenging, like a love story that has really challenged you and been more rooted in, in conflict and getting beyond kind of the conflict through love that you can share? Well, I, I think one of the 
not so uh, so uncommon situation is uh, your relationship to your children, hmm. because uh, it's not unusual that you might be blessed with a child that's very different than you. Hmm. You know, and that's you, you were thinking like, my gosh, how did this kid come out of me? You know, like, you know, and that's an opportunity uh, of real love that there's conflict that I, I, I expected my kid to think like me and he's thinking so different from me. And there becomes uh, somewhat of a, of a conflict of thought, of attitude. And then you say, you know what? I love you no matter what. You know, we can disagree. We can agree, we can agree to disagree, but we still have to behave in a loving way towards each other. Mm. Do, does the agreement to disagree? I think there's there's a really interesting like line to follow there. If we agree to disagree in each other's presence, that's kind of coming to you know a, a harmony in that you know in, in that space. But then if we go out into the world and we behave in a way where we're in disagreement or you would not approve, for, for, for example, of your child's behavior, is, is that a concern or, or is that they're acting on their own volition and kind of enabling them to be themselves? You know what? It will take a tremendous amount of restraint and restraint and maturity to realize that you're not here to control anybody else. Mm. You're here to be supportive. You can let people know that you think they're wrong, um, but I still love you mm. and I will always love you. And we can fight ferociously, you know, in terms of our, our thoughts and our opinions, but I, but I still care about you. And, and that's why I'm even having this conversation with you, not you particular right now, I mean, but in, you know, that, that if, if I didn't care, I just say, you know, I don't even care what you think, mm. but I do care. And, and I don't care because I want you to think like me, but I do think my thinking might be healthier for you. And I might be wrong, you know what I mean? Mm. But, you know, in, 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 you know, when you give rebuke to somebody, one of the, the, the English words for that is reprove. And rebuke and reprove is really beautiful. It's actually in Hebrew, the same word tochacha, which means to rebuke, but also means to prove. You prove your love to people when you rebuke them. Because rebuke means I really care about you. And I think your thinking and your behavior is, 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 is self-damaging. Mm. And that's why I'm telling you this. And I'm not telling you this because you're offending me. I'm telling you this because I'm afraid you're 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 damaging yourself and um and i want to share that with you in a loving way and you might not accept that and that'll be your choice wow and even if you make that choice i will still be there for you that's beautiful i was gonna ask how you practice love in your daily life and i think that example of kind of feedback and you know addressing perhaps a concern or just being honest with someone about your care for them and concern is 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 an amazing example of practicing love you spoke about love taking work taking practice and um, being ongoing work are there other things that you do in your daily or weekly life that you can speak to that are loving practices well i, I think that a, a tremendously easy way to practice love is to gift the person a kind word. And I encourage my students that you should not go to sleep without knowing that that day, at least once, you have offered a person a kind word. You know, it costs nothing. It's so easy. Everybody on this line right now, I, I encourage you that as soon as we're finished and maybe even before, you know, there's somebody that you know that if you could just write them a text, mm. even better call them and just say, thinking about you and um, I'm sending you my blessings and you're, you're a special person in my life. Something, a kind word. People don't realize how 
we are thirsty for love. And one of the most direct ways of showing love is acknowledging a person's, you know, being. And to just get a kind word. You see somebody that's got a nice shirt. That's a beautiful shirt on you. And those colors fit you so well. You just see the smile on people's faces. You know, I like to collect smiles because that's just worth everything. And so, you know, I, I, you know, just one simple way is try and make it a habit that at least before you go to sleep, you, you send a kind note, just a few words thinking about you, you know, uh, all the more so if you could give a kind word that's substantiated by something that really happened, you know, um, I think we're all, it, it's oxygen, you know, and we all need to get that acknowledgement and that sense of appreciation that what I'm doing is valuable. And, um, you know, there's just so much gossip in the world and, 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 and sadly too much com comedy is, is, is about poking fun at people and, 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 and what do we need that for? What, it, it's, it's just destroying us, mm. you know? And so if we could just find uh, within our hearts the opportunity whenever possible, you know, you're, uh, you're paying at the cashier must not be the funnest job in the world to be sitting there for hours taking people's money and find a, a nice word to say to that person. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a story about a very, very great rabbi who was in a car going through a toll and uh, he, he put his money into the toll and, and they had to get some change and then put it in the toll. And then as he went by, he said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. And he turned his car around and went outside the toll and went right back to where the particular toll was. And he paid the toll again. And the attendant that was there, he said, you have a great day. Thank you for doing such an important job. Hmm. He had realized that he had passed the person with, without acknowledging them. <laughs> and it was worth his time and money to spend another, what, a dollar, five dollars. Because how can I pass a person and not sweetly, kindly acknowledge them? Hmm. Wow, that's a great story. Have you, have you ever had to cut someone out of your life or end a friendship or um, distance yourself from someone? Yes, but not as dramatic as a lot of people I've spoken to have had to do. But yes, I have. And it's not because I don't love them, uh, but it's because we're not able to have a healthy relationship right now. And, you know, everybody knows the golden rule, love your neighbor as yourself, but rarely do people realize that that's predicated on loving yourself. Because <laughs> right. if you don't love yourself, it's very hard to love other people. Mm. And it's very hard to receive love because if you don't love yourself and you can't find uh, love in your heart for you, it's hard for you to believe that anybody else would find love in their heart for you either. Do you feel like there is an order of operations in that framework or is it a constant back and forth? I, I've found that but we're not born. I think it's a constant back and forth. Yeah. You know, like, I don't think a person should say, well, I have to work on loving myself before I can love other people. I think that part of loving myself is when I see myself loving other people. Yeah. And um, but I think that too many of us are extremely unkind to ourselves and we say things to ourselves that we wouldn't want our worst enemy to say to us. Mm. And we ourselves are saying that to ourselves. And so it's important that the practice of love must be equally uh, applied to ourselves. And we should love ourselves for no reason. And stop trying to earn love and deserve love. Because love is a gift. It's not something you earn. It's not business. It's not an exchange. It's not currency. <laughs> it's a gift. And it's a gift that we should celebrate because it's the way we experience the greatest sense of potency. Wow. When you give to another person, there's a sense of power, not because of coming from a place of control, 
but a power that I'm able to offer help to another person. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I, I have, uh, I ask because there's an old friend who I've lost touch with through the pandemic and, you know, we've had some miscommunications and, and disagreements and I, I'm, I, he's top of mind for me. And I'm, I'm working through whether it is self-loving to let that relationship go or to, to reach out and send some love. And I think there's something really interesting in this idea of being able to just kind of practice giving love in low stakes environments, like at the grocery store, the checkout, as you mentioned, or at the toll booth. Whereas maybe the higher stakes or perceived to be higher stakes are those who we actually have a history with, who we actually know more intimately. And you could argue that's maybe it's even harder to love those where there's a history, where there's connection, where, where there's, you know, you've lived an experience together. Right. It's harder, but it's realer. If there's such a word, it's more real because <laughs> that's when I'm really creating space in my life, you know, to love the cashier. Uh, well, you know, I don't have any reason not to. Yeah. Um, and um, but to have somebody that has hurt me and being able to say, you know what, maybe they did the best they can with the tools they have and the experience they grew up with. And, uh, you know, and Maybe it's not for me to judge. Now, of course, you have to protect yourself. And so if you're in a destructive relationship and, and the only way to protect yourself is to remove yourself from that relationship, okay, so go find you know, others that you can practice love with in the meantime uh, with the hope that this person will maybe over time uh, kind of uh, uh, their sharp edges might get a little bit you know, um, less. Mm. But, um, you know, we can talk a big talk, but practically in the daily life, uh, we have to start with and be you know, realistic with uh, how far that can go in every relationship. Right. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting pattern that I've seen is so often, even for people in their closest relationships, excuse me, finding love and the language to express that love can get harder and harder over time. Have, have you noticed that in, in relation to maybe people expressing love amongst their family or their partners that in some cases it can only deepen and become more rich and more articulate, but in others it's almost becomes awkward or uncomfortable or there's like this tension in being able to articulate and be expressive with love. I think it has to do with uh, a sad culture of being feeling uncomfortable with feeling. Mm. It sounds feelings are 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 vulnerable. I mean, I, it's something that I dealt with in my teenage years when I I really cut my emotions out because when you're in your head, you delude yourself to think you're in control. <laughs> feelings are a lot harder to control. And we want to be in control. So one of the ways we do that is we cut out feelings, which is what I did in my early teen years, uh, whereby I wanted to stay in my head because it felt safe. Feelings are not safe, but they're real. And it's where the totality of the human being has to include those feelings. I think also, I think men often have an issue with sharing feelings, but not, you know, maybe not, but I, I think somehow feelings and, you know, being able to cry. Um, I knew I grew up somehow getting the impression that boys don't cry. Mm -hmm. Men don't cry. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's this uh, uh, discomfort with acknowledging my feelings and love is a feeling, uh, but of course, a feeling that's generated by a realization of a fact that, you know, on, on a very deep level, where when I kind of think of the universe as a tree, and I think of two leaves yelling at each other, and one saying, you know, I can't stand your face, you're green, and the other one says, well, look at you, and they don't realize that, you know what, you guys share the same twig. 
<laughs> oh, wow. Well, you know what? Okay, we're family, but we can't stand the people on the branch next door. Well, guess what? Your branch and their branch connects into a larger branch. Well, okay, but the people in the city across, uh, you know, across the country can't stand them. Well, their branch and your branch is plugged into the same trunk and you're all emanating out of one root, which is what I would call God. And that, and that really on the deepest level, we are one and not the same. Mm-hmm. And that's so beautiful that we can be one and not the same. Mm-hmm. That's really powerful. Do you ever find that as someone who is tapped into feelings and kind of emotional awareness and the love that exists between all people, there are folks who can't confront that and see that in you and, and, and turn away or, or, or are fearful because they're not prepared to in, engage with their emotions? Yeah, I, I, sadly, I think we, we are in a world where a lot of people don't believe they're worthy of love. Mm. And the truth is you're not worthy of love because you don't have to be, because love is a gift. You know, I wrote a book, uh, which I originally wanted to call You Are Loved. It was about the Jewish holidays. Mm. And um, I wanted to call it You Are Loved. My, uh, my publishing house, their marketing department said, no, no, bad, bad title. <laughs> so I, I thought it's a great title. And I said, well, I mean, you know, a book has to kind of have a title that kind of delivers a promise of what you're going to get from this book. It's going to address something that you want and need. And everybody wants and needs love. So everybody would want a book that talks about and, and, and affirms you are loved. So the marketing department says, no, you're right. Uh, uh, it, it, you're right that people want to be loved. But a title has to be credible and nobody believes they're loved. (laughs) So therefore, you're right. The title has to deliver a promise that's credible. People don't believe they're loved. And that is a devastating problem in the world today. The people don't believe they're loved. And, and, And part of it is people are working very, very hard to try and deserve love. Hmm. When in fact, you don't need to deserve it. You know, just being is enough to be loved. You are, and therefore you should be loved. Mm. And when yeah, I remember I had a student in my seminar, and uh, she came into my office and she was crying. And I said, why are you crying? She said, well, I've never ever done anything for you. I said, well, why should you do something for me? She said, well, well I mean doesn't make sense you you love me and i've never done anything to deserve that and i said you don't have to do something to deserve that and sadly she Hmm. wow yeah i think that's that's such a powerful point and and there's many people who who are almost afraid of that the rawness of kind of love being something that they can have Right. Or, or, be, or perhaps there's a fear of, of breaking it or it falling away from them or loss. That could have been an experience, a, a feeling of losing love. Um, but that's really powerful. to. Well, also, I think a, a fear of it not being reciprocated. Yes, of course. Right. And that may have been an experience in their life where they thought they had to be a certain way in order to receive love from a parent or other. Yes. You know, I've thought about if if a person had to make a difficult choice, and of course, nobody has to make this choice. But theoretically, if I was given the choice to love or to be loved, which would I pick? And, you know, because a lot of people want to be loved, but it doesn't it's not in your control. Mm. You know, you try to be lovable, but it's there. It's it's up to them whether they want to offer it or not. So being love is not something you can make happen. So the question is, if I had to make a choice and I could only either be loved or love, which would I choose? And uh, thank God that I'm a a father uh, of seven children. I realized that it's so interesting that you feel connected 
to the people that you love more than the, to the people that love you. And I saw that with my children. You know, when my daughter got married, it wasn't so hard for her to say, bye, dad. I said, wait a second, that's a strange man. You, you only know him for a year. You've known me for 25. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, because I gave her love. So I feel so connected to her, but she received love. So you really feel more connected to the people that you give love to than you receive love to. And giving love is completely under your control. So there's a lot of people waiting for love. And you don't have to wait for love. Choose to give love. And I believe it'll come back to you. But even if it doesn't come back to you, when you give love, you feel connected and you will feel a love for yourself. That's beautiful advice. And I couldn't agree more. I've started to welcome people up on the stage. If you have a question or a comment you'd like to uh, bring into the space, I invite you to raise your hand. We have another 10 minutes or so. Um, My request is that you don't self-promote. And um, once you're finished with your piece, you can move yourself back down to the audience. But I want to welcome Emna. Hopefully I'm saying your name right. Uh, Welcome to the stage. And do you have a question or, or thought for the rabbi? Uh, hi everyone. Uh, actually, this is my first time uh, I'm doing something like this. So, sorry, apologies if I do any mistakes or something. Uh, so, I was uh, listening to this uh, speech for like a couple of minutes and then I wanted to add uh, that in the lines that love is an emotion. So, today what happened was, so there's this application which was launched one or two days before wherein you can make the photos like old uh, your old photos move in a particular way with a particular expressions so my dad has lost his mom when he was 7 and then he actually has no fond memories of his mom and then today i actually tried animating one of her old pics and then i sent it to my dad and then that's the first time i'm seeing him actually emotionally getting uh, so sensitive and then actually shedding tears in uh, in front of me and then that moved me and then that made me realize how unconditional mom's love is and then how unconditional is a son's love for his mom even though he hasn't seen his mom for like maybe 50-60 years but then just by the thought that uh, his mom is moving her lips or showing some expression that made him uh, cry so that's how strong the emotion of love is that's it yeah Thank you for sharing. Beautiful. You know, that, that's really very much what, and I know you came on just a couple of minutes ago, but we started off with saying that there's an existential fact that never will change, which is we are all in the deepest sense connected. Love is the emotion that's generated by the realization of that truth that we are connected. And that's a beautiful idea because you, you, you haven't really seen your mom in so long but that existential connection will never be broken. And it's just waiting to be realized and experienced because it's there no matter what. Beautiful share. Thank you. Peter, am I saying your name right? Welcome to Clubhouse and welcome to the stage. Yeah, it's right. Um, <clears throat> I raised my hand when I, when I heard um, David speaking, but then as you guys went on, I realized that I got nothing to say. You guys know about the Wayne Moore. I just, uh, all I wanted to say is when you love is when you feel that ultimate blessing, you know, when you're being loved, you're not really feeling anything. It's just kind of a bonus if you, you know, if somebody loves you and you love them, then, then it's great. But um, yeah, loving, you, you, when you feel love is that, you know, that you feel that feeling. Not when somebody loves you, you don't really feel anything unless you're trying to take advantage of the person, but it's got nothing to do with love. Thank you Thank for you. that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, d- I believe Asherat, am I saying your name right? Yes. Welcome. Asherat. Thank you. Um, I, I do have a question for you and David. It's like I have right now encountered something about you know cyberbullying. Um, I I I used another application and um, I was kicked out of the room and um, there's some misunderstandings. But um, it's like a bunch of guys they just 
you know, keep me out from the group. It's like, you know, everyone will encounter in this um, bad situation. Uh, I mean, so love is very crucial in our lives. I, in our lives, I, I, we should love others, right? And then they will love me back. And uh, so how could, could we just deal with the, I mean, the opponents, the, the, you know, the, how to put it, because in my bad English, the enemies. So how to, you know, love the opponents or the bad guys? How to show our love to, to them? Great question. I, I think that the only way to feel relieved, for me to feel relieved, I, I have to embrace them, accept their, you know, um, doings. And um, right. Yeah. This is my question. Well, well, uh, well I, I would like to share. Uh, there's no promise that when you love, people will reciprocate. And so when you love, that doesn't mean people will love you back. Sad, but true. And if they don't love you back, it's their loss because you've gained by realizing your potential to love. Loving our opponents doesn't mean we love their behavior. We can hate their behavior. And, but we can realize that if people are behaving in an unloving way, it's because deep inside there's something wrong. And I have compassionate and I'm sad for that and I'll pray for them. Because I believe that only people, that the only people that hurt people are people that are hurting. When a person hurts another person, I believe it's acting out a person's own hurt. And they haven't been able to heal their wounds, so they afflict those wounds on other people. And if I can keep that in mind, then rather than hating another person, I feel sad and I, and, and I, and I, sympathize with that person that they must have such a deep sense of self disrespect that they would want to live a life that is unloving and so i don't hate them i feel sorry for them and um and to me that's my love for them that i i feel sorry i wish i wish they would treat themselves better by treating other people better because the, the best life is to help others have the best life. And we'll, we feel better when we help other people feel better. Couldn't agree more. Thank you very much. Thank yeah. you. That's beautiful. It really answers my question. Great. Deborah, welcome to the stage. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm, I'm very new to this and I, I get really nervous when I speak out loud. So forgive me if I start to stumble on my words, um, but this is a really important conversation. So I figured I'd try my best and dive in. Um, what I what I thought um, was very important uh, that I wanted to say, I forgot. But what's coming up now is going back to what David was saying earlier is to do something nice every day, um, like to make it not to so much go out of your way, um, that'd be like trying, but to make it a daily practice so that it, that actually comes with ease. Um, and I raised my daughter, she's 15 now, and she's quite beautiful and talented. And uh, she was the type of child that people who don't even speak to others, whether it's because they're going about their day angry or they're introverted, like the, people were very drawn to her. And she grew up with constant compliments and um you know, I basically would always say to her, you know, when somebody gives you a compliment, you just simply say thank you. I don't feel like you have to compliment them back. But at the same time, practice, create a practice around complimenting people. Find beauty inside your day. And I mean, I raised her from a very young age um, to, to, to do this, to create this practice around complimenting three people a day. And the beauty that came from that was immense. <laughs> I mean, she literally would have these constant compliments and it would just be like a simple, joyful thank you. And without having to remind her after a while, she would randomly compliment people that would probably never receive compliments like ever in a day in their life. And there's been incidents where people have cried and was to her as like a, you know, five-year-old or seven-year-old, like, wow, I've never received a compliment before. Thank you so much. Because when you raise your children to love in that way, in, in, with a simple compliment even, 
um, the type of magic that happens is you're giving people what they really need within that moment, whether they have a mental illness or they are, you know, 45 or 75, when you're raising your children at a young age to do those simple things, those acts, those acts of, of not necessarily even kindness, but to practice exactly what I think it was David was saying, like go out of your way to make sure that every day you do something kind for somebody. Um, so for whatever it's worth, that came up, even though I forgot what I really wanted to say. So thank you so much. I'm Deborah, and that's it. Thank you, Deborah. Well, well Deborah, uh, Deborah, allow me to compliment you for somebody who's uncomfortable speaking out loud. You speak really beautifully out loud. And I encourage you to do that more because you're so articulate and you're so from the heart. And the sincerity in your words were very, very touching. And, you know, some people can say exactly what you said, but it doesn't really have the, the flavor of the heart. And uh, I really love what you said. And I'm very grateful that you shared. And I hope that you will uh, continue to do that because uh, that would be a gift to others to hear you know, your wisdom and your, uh, your life experience. Thank you so much. Mm. Amen to Thanks. that. Yes. Do you, Rabbi, I recognize we're at the hour mark. Do you have time for one more question or comment? Yeah, of course. Yes, of course. It's a gift. Thank you. Absolutely. Beautiful. Or hello. Hi, Ethan. How are you today? <laughs> Doing well. Uh, Welcome. Thank you very much. Hi, uh, Rabbi David. This is our, um, I, I, First of all, I really, really enjoyed this discussion, particularly um, when you were discussing your conversation between you and your wife, You're clearly both thinkers. So I guess in line with that train of thought, I was wondering if you had ever contemplated or amused um, on the idea of why it is that humans perhaps have this ability to love. If you don't think of it in religious terms, why do you think that we have the ability and also the the constant want, why it has become one of the necessary things in life, if you've ever contemplated that while you were writing your book. Oh, I've contemplated it very much so. To me, <laughs> we, we love because we are love. That's who we are. We are made of love. We are part of, you know, like when, when science tries to figure out what we're all made of and they first thought we were made of atoms and then we're made of energy, uh, you know, and, and then and then there's this conversation that the universe was created by gravity. The universe was created by love. I think we are all made of love and therefore loving is being true to ourselves. And and we're just being ourselves and ourselves are are literally made of love. So love is just spontaneously emanating from the essence of our being. And why is it that there are people that are not loving? I think they've just lost touch with the true self. So in, in that sense, you see love as the one source, then the Big Bang sort of thing in, in the human existence. Is well, that correct? To me, to me, God is love. God is love almighty. And um, I, I believe if we would start practicing talking to love and ask love to give us guidance and thank love for the gifts in our lives, um, I think that would be a good start because um, love should rule our lives and, and we should live in service of love. And whenever we're in a situation, we should ask, what does love want me to do in this situation? Hmm. That answers the question. Thank you. Beautiful question, Or. It's yeah, interesting. You. It's interesting. I had a conversation with Dr. Caroline Leaf, who is a South African uh, researcher on neuroplasticity, one of the preeminent scientists who, who kind of worked in this field of how our thoughts can change our brain. And she had exactly the same response, which is, you know, love is our natural state. Our brain is actually most at peace and in its natural way when we are in a state of love and um, when we break out of that or you know when tension and dis-ease shows up it's often coming from stressors or conflict or getting out of a loving way so 
there is a really interesting kind of natural flow of things um, that that comes through when we embrace and acknowledge love is kind of our our essence. This has been such a powerful conversation, Rabbi. Uh, really grateful to you for for making space to come on Clubhouse with me and um, have this. We, we're we're constantly having conversations like this in the Love Extremist Club and beyond. And there's so many um, incredible people on this platform. Uh, but really grateful to welcome you here and to record this. And we'll have it up on Love Extremist Radio, our podcast, in the coming weeks. Do you have any final words or thoughts or things you'd like to offer the group before we say goodbye? Well, I'd first like to offer you, because I want to thank you for doing this. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for living in service, because that's what we're here to do, to, 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 to just help make the world just a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And uh, you, um, you, 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 you really uh, conducted this conversation in a really beautiful, masterful way. And uh, I love how genuine uh, your, um, you know, I, I feel this is not about you. I feel this is about the value that you are committed to bringing in the world. So I want to thank you and I want to thank everyone else for joining us and allowing me to share and listening and allow and, and, and sharing with us too. And um, I just want to thank you all for uh, this opportunity and I look forward to further opportunities and thank you so much. And this was a, a very loving opportunity and thank you for the love. Mm. Absolutely. From one redheaded Jew to another, I love you, Rabbi David, <laughs> and I'm grateful for you. And uh, thank you. I love you, too. And uh, I look forward to more conversations in the future. Thank you all for being here. Please join us in the Love Extremist Club for more things coming up throughout today and the rest of the week and into next week and beyond. And carry what you're feeling through this conversation out with you. Consider reaching out to someone who you haven't spoken to in a bit and sending them some words of love or giving them a call. And uh, really, I hope these, these words from the rabbi are taken to heart and uh, you find ways to embody your true nature of love throughout the rest of this day, this week, and this life. Thanks for listening to Love Extremist Radio. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. If you want to learn more about being a love extremist, check out www.extremist.love and follow Love Extremist on Instagram and Facebook. Find me also on Instagram at Ethan Lipsitz. Hope to hear from you soon. Peace.